This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. It's not you, it's me. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. All right, well, that's usually something you say when you're breaking up with something or someone. Right. Well, we're breaking up with our phones. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine oh. someone broke up with somebody else on uh, a podcast? On a podcast. That's brutal. I've heard, Be like, like the worst rest exactly. of the episode ever. <laughs> I've heard like, you know, you're breaking up on text, you're breaking up on, um, you know, different social media forms. But I think a podcast, mm-hmm. I have never heard that before. So if you have heard about somebody else breaking up with somebody else on a podcast, you let us know because I would like to hear how that goes. Yeah, I can just imagine. I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> Oh man! Well, Doing it in person, or <laughs> or being on the receiving end, yes. which would be worse. Yeah. So why why are we talking about breaking up with our phones? Well, in the midst of COVID nineteen, I think that we are inundated with so much information, and right now we are probably uh, a little bit addicted, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, notifications, news stories here, there, I mean, it's just popping up everywhere. And especially in these moments where it's like, okay, am I supposed to isolate? Am I not? Or what are the updates? How many people have been infected now? And what about this? And in my neighborhood, in my area, it's just, it's the way that we're connected. It's the way that we can stay updated. But honestly, there comes to a point where it it's just too much. It's just, it is too much, right? And <laughs> yeah. we always say that uh, when we feel out of control, uh, we are trying to find something that we are in control of. Mm-hmm. And right now, it really is the resourcing of information. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I have no idea how to stop the spread or what. So I'm going to try to keep in control by knowing as much as I can. Or I'm going to try to feel like I'm in control by getting as much toilet paper as I can. Or, you know, we try to do that, yet it really is a false sense of control, isn't it? It really is. So it's not that our phones are the ones that are causing us to hoard all this information because, frankly, phones are neutral. Mm -hmm. They can be used for greatness. They can be used for, especially I'm thinking as we're socially isolating our kids from other kids and so on and so forth. We can use apps like FaceTime and Marco Polo and different things that even our kids can have playdates with other kids without being in the physical same room. But on the other hand, they can also cause a lot of damage if our phones are not used with wisdom. So really, it's up to us to determine what we use our phones for and why we're using them. Yeah. And honestly, that being said, the creators behind smartphones and the apps that we use hundreds of times a day, I mean, it's not neutral, right? I mean, they want to get us hooked. They want us to spend as much time on them as we can. I mean, that was one of the mission statements for Facebook in the early days. It was like, let's get people on as much as we can, as often as we can. And why? Well, 
partly it's because they want to gather info on us. They want to make money off of us. <laughs> they want to target us for marketing purposes, right? Right. Do you remember that time that we were going to Chattanooga, I believe, mm-hmm. to take you on your 30th birthday? You have always wanted to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. But since we've had kids, we've kind of changed that notion a little bit. So I found it wasn't very popular before. I found those indoor skydivings where they actually like push air up mm-hmm. into you and you kind mm-hmm. of float around and have that simulation. Well, I was just talking about it to a friend. They're like, what, that exists? No way, indoor skydiving. Guess what? The following week, all I saw on Facebook ads and when I'm searching different things on Google, you see indoor skydiving. Yeah, it's crazy. There's so much data about us that we don't even know companies are collecting or how necessarily and specifically they are collecting on us. It's true, Daniel. We can no longer hide. (laughs) (laughs) Turn off our phones right now. Exactly. They're still listening. (laughs) So creators and marketers have really tapped into brain science to bring us to a place where literally we hyperventilate when we don't have our phones with us. They are literally like an extension of us. I always joked that with every child that we should be able to grow another arm. Well, Mm -hmm. it just seems like that phone is kind of... That arm. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. I mean, neuroscientists are discovering that literally when someone likes your photo, you get a dopamine rush and it feels good. And when someone comments, you get a dopamine reward and and you feel significant. And, And when you don't, when you post and you don't get a like and there's no dopamine, you feel like a downer, right? So, so literally we are being programmed. Our brains are being reprogrammed to try to figure out how to maximize dopamine rush. I mean, literally researchers are discovering that the brain scans of social media addicts are similar to those that are addicted to drugs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we are, our, our brains are literally being rewired and not only our brains, but now our behavior as a result. Completely. And it's not just us. Our kids are noticing this as well. So I remember time and time again, I would actually leave my phone upstairs, whether I forgot it or I purposely left it upstairs. I'd be in the kitchen, you know, making lunch or something. And then one of the kids will bring my phone to me. They'll be like, mommy, mommy, look, I found your phone. You need it. It's like almost like, mommy, mommy, you forgot your leg. Let me bring it to you. You need it. (laughs) That's... That's crazy. (laughs) But it's without saying it, they have observed how much we need our phone, how much our phone has become an extension of us. Oh, yeah. The number of times that I felt naked because I didn't know where my phone was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even times where I get into the office and be like, oh, my phone's still in the car because I forgot to take it out like being plugged in. Yeah. Don't you feel unsafe? (laughs) Yeah. I feel unsafe. Not that only someone is going to steal it, but what if you were to miss an important call? Mm -hmm. What if you were miss what if you were to miss an important text? Like what in the world did we do before we had phones? Yeah. Yeah. So literally, Daniel. One time I forgot my phone at home while I drove the kids to school. At this point we were still in Nashville. Our drive to school was two minutes, literally a two minute drive from our garage to the front door of the school. 
and I realized, oh my goodness, I did not have my phone. I started freaking out and also praying that I wouldn't get into an accident because God forbid if a car hit me and I didn't have my phone, how would I make a call? How would I call insurance? How would I call Daniel to come get us? How would I call the tow truck? So on and so forth. I was having separation anxiety over being away from my phone for less than 10 minutes total. Mm. So I got home. Yeah. What happened? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing had changed. No life-changing calls? No. No texts, no calls, not even an Instagram (laughs) notification at seven in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure you've experienced similar circumstances or similar situations. So on today's episode, why do we want to break up with our phones? Well, like we said at the top of the podcast, especially with the coronavirus pandemic and things changing so quickly, we seem to be glued to our news media channels or social media to see what our friends and family are posting about coronavirus. We too, honestly, we too feel like we want to stay up to date with everything that is going on, especially we have friends that are living overseas in Mm. Korea and China and Europe. And so they're giving a little bit of a different context around the news that they're going through as well. But is there a point where it becomes an unhealthy obsession? If we gain more knowledge, is it driving us to become more prepared? Hmm. Really? Or is it driving us to become more anxious, fearful, and even losing sleep? Yeah. So perhaps this episode can be a gentle encouragement to take a little breather. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason why we need to break up with our phones is because our children don't have phones yet, but they want one personally. And maybe your kids already have them or or you're trying to wrestle through that at the moment. For us personally, we want to set a healthy example of, of what it means to be aware and in control of our phone usage rather than be slaves to them. Right. So regardless if your children have phones or don't have phones, I think especially since we're probably on our phones a lot more these days than Mm. even we may usually be, it is really important to set an example for our kids who, if they're older, have the same access to the social media forms and the news coverage that we have as well. And they might be constantly intaking that and who knows how they're feeling. If we're not talking about it, if they're always seeing us huddled on our phones trying to frantically find what's new maybe they feel like they need to as well Mm -hmm. and if we're not giving them the permission if we're not giving them the knowledge that they need to put down their phones then i think we're doing a disservice to our family Hmm, that's a good word so speaking of being aware we need to be awake to the fact that our attention honestly is one of the most valuable things that we have I mean, have you ever tried to get someone's attention that's distracted? Mm-hmm. Don't you feel so good? <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, how does it feel, on the other hand, to give someone your undivided attention? No, oh, that's truly, that does feel good. And to be on the receiving end of that as well? It really is validation that yeah. you're important, that you're seen, that you're loved, that you are worthy of the person's time. And recently, our church walked through a series called Redeem the Screen, and we were talking about both the challenges and the opportunities that our screens present to us. And during the series, one of our pastors sent me this YouTube documentary of a mom who decided to go undercover on social media and see what would happen. 
So she dressed younger. So she's like a mom in yeah. her, I think, her mid-30s. Yeah, that's right. And they started a profile for her um, as a 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So did that, and I think they timed it. It was less than a minute or just over a minute. Yeah, as soon as she posted her photo on Instagram, there's all these uh, men, older men, who started contacting her and been like, oh, you're so beautiful, and where do you live? And uh, it became a lot more profane very quickly. Oh, it was, yeah. It was disgusting. It was very... It, it was really, really <sighs> disgusting. And then after they decided, you know what, uh, what if we, maybe it's because, you know, she's a, a, a teenager, a mid teenager. What if we chose someone who is a preteen? So they even dressed this mom younger mm. and they made a profile for her. I think she was 11 years old mm -hmm. and they thought, well, this, it'll be much longer. I think it was maybe two minutes instead of a minute. Yeah. And these guys started contacting these older men started contacting this quote unquote, 11 year old. It is so eye-opening. Yeah. So we want to post that video. It's not something that you show your kids. No, 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 no. But it's something that definitely as parents we need to be aware of. Yes. The other side of social media. Uh, we'll link that video to inbetween.org slash episode 93. As Daniel and I were talking about this, I looked at him and I was like, oh my goodness, I am so thankful that I did not have social media as a teenager and he was like why it's like not just because i would post stupid things but honestly i would be susceptible to one of these predators yeah all the attention that they were giving this girl or this mom yeah <laughs> thinking that she was a girl and everything right. that they were messaging her about and just all that i mean just think about that right i mean if your child is maybe lacking attention or if feeling they, unloved yes at home i mean Imagine how easy it is for them to get wrapped up in this and get wrapped up into someone. I mean, we, we all know what that feels like as a teenager, what it feels like when you are the center of someone's attention. Especially and they, if I, they're older yeah, and, and maybe they're quote unquote good looking and you wouldn't think like, wow, all the guys in my high school won't pay attention to me. But, you know, a 35, 40 year old man will. Yeah. All the undivided attention. So being aware is so important, right? We as parents need to be aware of the world that we live in and the world that our children are living in as well. And instead of creating that gap where our kids want to get attention from someone else that do, does not have their best interest out there for them, whether it is some child predator or someone at their school or even the tech giants that are trying to shape the way our brains are. I mean, they don't have our children's best intentions in mind. So we need to give our children and our family the attention that they need so that they're not going out and looking for it somewhere else. And frankly, there was recent research that was done where they just asked and they pulled kids from all different ages, what do you want most from your parents? And they said, attention. They want to be looked at even more than the how many times the parents look at their phones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we proactively want to take the opportunity to break up with our phones because we understand that we only have so much time in a day, in a year, in a lifespan of the time that our children are underneath our roof where we can dedicate to them. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. 
Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, and this is going to look different for every one of your children based on their personality, their Enneagram type, which we're going to be talking about more in the upcoming episodes and also based on their love language. So for those resources and to dig a little bit deeper into that, just go to inbetween.org slash episode 53 or episode 54 to learn more. I love the example that Melanie Schenkel gave in her episode about debunking the myth of motherhood. We will also put that in the show notes. She uh, talks about how her child is now a teenager and doesn't necessarily come up and want to sit on her lap and tell her everything about her day, like in contrast to our five-year-old. However, she has learned that if she even has like a coloring app on her phone and is sitting in her daughter's room and just kind of, you know, plugging away at that, that her daughter just enjoys her presence there and will start talking and opening up. And she even jokes that, uh, Melanie jokes that if she starts to look too interested, if she starts to make too much eye contact, if she starts to, you know, be excited, her daughter will clam up. And so she just literally listens and goes, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And her daughter knows that she's on her phone uh, just doing a coloring uh, by number app. And that is a way that they feel connected. Yeah, yeah. So we're not saying throw out your phone, right? We're not saying delete social media or screen time because those can actually there there's actually opportunities right and and they can be tools to bring you closer together as a family for example recently i've taken up minecraft with my kids and it's something that uh, we can all do together it's it's actually quite fun we that used to be lego for all of us and maybe we'll get back to that <laughs> one of these days too but but it's been fun to actually share this new interest and and read books about it and and the kids be so excited to talk about it and even yesterday i was sitting on the couch with victoria my eldest and she was just walking through the minecraft book and and not we weren't even playing she was just like oh look at this wouldn't it be cool to build this and then Adeline came to the couch and Macarios came to the couch and we were all just reading a book about, about Minecraft. Minecraft. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, we can't wait to do this together. So it is something, right? I mean, screens can be something that do bring us together, but we need to make sure that technology is in its proper place. In fact, if you go to episode 62, we talk about that in further detail on ways that we can show our children that technology is a great tool, but it doesn't control us. In fact, I let me read an excerpt for you from Andy Crouch's book, The TechWise Family, just to give you a sense as to what it looks like for technology and for screens to be in their proper place. And for more information on all that, just go to inbetween.org slash episode 62. Screens are in their proper place when they help us bond with the real people we've been given to love. It's out of its proper place when we end up bonding with people at a distance, like celebrities whom we'll never meet. Screens are in their proper place when they start great conversations. They're out of their proper place when they prevent us from talking with and listening to one another. 
Screens are in their proper place when they help us acquire skill and mastery of domains that are the glory of human culture. Sports, music, the arts, cooking, right? Yeah. I mean, all the recipes and <laughs> that we've now learned how to do, Instant Pot, Air Fryer, all the ways that you can learn how to cook better. I mean, this is great for screens and you, we, we grow and we learn how to do these via screens. But when we let screens replace the development of skill with passive consumption, uh, something has gone wrong. Screens are in their proper place when they help us cultivate awe for the created world we're a part of and responsible for stewarding, like watching planet Earth or Blue Ocean. I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible. And it, and it really does well up in us a sense of, okay, we do need to steward our world better. And, and, and man, isn't it incredible that, <laughs> isn't it incredible? Factor. Yes, that if this is how our world is and the animals and the ocean and, and the way that our world, and, and if it's as sophisticated and as complicated as that is, I mean, that, that really does reflect on our creator, on God, on how amazing and majestic he is to create all of that. Uh, screens, though, are out of their proper place when they keep us from engaging the wild and wonderful natural world with all our senses. And lastly, screens are in their proper place when we use them with intention and care and if there's one thing that I've discovered about screens is that they don't stay in their proper place on their own, much like children's toys. <laughs> Clean them up and yep, they, they explode elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with screens. They just don't stay in their proper place on their own. Right. Uh, and as parents, if that's hard enough for us, imagine for our children. I mean, this is they're digital natives. This is just the world that they're growing up in. So we need to parent well. We need to model well. We need to be intentional. And, and I mean, because here's the thing. Our kids are much better at observing than they are at interpreting, mm -hmm. right? So we they're going to see, often. they're going to see the amount of time that you're on your phone and they're just going to think that that's normal or maybe that even in a healthy conversation, yeah, it's okay to be on your phone in healthy conversation, but that's not how we want to teach our kids to converse with one another. Right. So like you said, Daniel, unfortunately, just the want or desire to break up our phones isn't enough. It's like those, I think of it, it's like those pesky New Year's resolutions. Raise your hand right now if you are still going on with your New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Way to make me feel bad. <laughs> No, not at all. There is no condemnation here. <laughs> but you know what, Daniel? This one is even trickier, and we touched on it before. Do you know why? Why? Brain science. Yeah, yeah. So we are hooked on our phones because of what psychologists call intermittent reinforcements. Have you ever heard of that before? Hmm. Well... Maybe you haven't heard of that phrase before, but have you ever found yourself opening up Facebook or Instagram over and over again, sometimes in back-to-back -back sequential times? Like you open it, nothing happened, you close it. Oh, let's go to Instagram, open it, close it. Nothing happened, let's go to Twitter, open, close. Oh, back to Facebook, open and close. <laughs> if you are really paying attention or you see someone else doing it, y'all look like you've gone mad. That is right? hilarious. Like That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Because what can really change in a matter of seconds? <laughs> That's so funny. It's like opening and closing your front door over and over again and oh. expecting a different yeah, result. Yeah, or opening and closing your mailbox yeah. over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for an Amazon package. Are you here? No. Two seconds later. Are you here now? Close the door. Uh, oh, open the mailbox again. Are you here? <laughs> so sad. That's so sad. But 
Our brains love it. Yeah. Because sometimes you find a like and sometimes you don't. Yeah. And sometimes you find that someone has commented and sometimes you don't. Do you want to know another device that uses this intermittent reward system? Slot machines. Oh. <laughs> In fact, the similarities between the two devices are so powerful that psychologists frequently compare smartphones to slot machines that we keep in our pockets. Oh my goodness. So in an essence, when we pull our phone out of our pocket, we're playing a slot machine to see what notifications we may or may not have received. Wow. Wow. I, I love how author Catherine Price says it in her book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. This is a really big deal because our attention is the most valuable thing we have. We experience only what we pay attention to. We remember only what we pay attention to. When we decide what to pay attention to in the moment, we are making a broader decision about how we want to spend our lives. To be clear, there's nothing wrong with spending your attention on social media or any other app. There's also nothing wrong with a designer trying to make an app that's fun, engaging, and profitable. But as users, we should be using our apps because we've made a conscious choice to do so, not because of manipulative psychological tricks that are meant to make money for someone else. So true. Bomb. Yeah. So Catherine goes on to sum up her first few chapters of the book, and we'll put her book in the show notes in between.org slash episode 93. So she sums up the chapters with this stark and scary observation. If you wanted to invent a device that could rewire our minds, if you wanted to create a society of people who were perpetually distracted, isolated, and overtired, if you wanted to weaken our memories and damage our capacity for focus and deep thought, if you wanted to reduce empathy, encourage self-absorption, and redraw the lines of social etiquette, you'd likely end up with a smartphone. <laughs> okay, have, look, I'm reading all of this, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is what's happening with COVID-19. Oh, that's true. We are reduction of empathy. Like people are like, who cares? I'm going to go out. I don't care about that. It's only the older people who are uh, affected anyways. Encourage self-absorption. I'm going to grab all this stuff so I don't run out. And who cares about you? We draw the lines of social etiquette. So mm. like just the even cutting in line and all of this to the hoarding that's happening. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Yeah. And what is happening? Is it because of partly of our smartphones have been training us to do this? Oh, that know. is scary. That connection. Man, I mean, now we know the reason, right? Now we know the reason why we want to break up with our phones and the fact that it's really going to be one of the most difficult relationship breakups that we'll have ever gone through. I mean, how in the world are we going to do it, right? Are we going to text our phone and say we're through? Oh, if only that were so easy, I'd do it right now. Are we going to hide it somewhere and, and uh, that we forget and try not to panic that we can't find it? <laughs> I mean, we can, try, we can try these techniques, yeah, 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 but we guarantee they're not going to work. Instead, we need to be proactive. Instead, we need to be awake. We need to be aware and we need to pay attention to what we're doing. I love the three W's that Catherine wrote in her book that can help us in this area. Y'all know, if you've listened to the podcast more than once or twice, y'all know that we like the practical, we like the nitty gritty, and here it is for you. So these three questions can help us be aware and proactive of why we're picking up our phones. You ready? Mm -hmm. Number one, what for? Number two, 
Why now? And number three, what else? So anytime you notice you're about to reach for your phone, take a second to ask yourself, what for? Right? What are you picking up your phone to do? Are you picking it up to check your email, to browse Amazon, to order dinner, to distract yourself from a boring lineup, to look busy, to avoid talking to someone? What are you reaching your phone for? Next question. Why now? Why are you picking up your phone now instead of later? The reason might be practical. Uh, I want to take a photo or I need to make a phone call. Um, It could be situational. I'm in an elevator or in a lineup or emotional. I want a distraction from this less than pleasant part of this day or this minute or this moment. Hmm. And then lastly, you got to ask yourself, what else? What else could you do right now besides check your phone? Could you go for a walk, drink a glass of water, pick up a book? Or hug your spouse. Say something kind to your kids. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the next time you go to the bathroom, bring a book instead of your phone. (laughs) And thank God for the toilet paper that you have. (laughs) (laughs) No, imagine how much more we could read if we just, or leave a book there. Right. Right, yeah. Like, that's how it was. I remember Archie Comics. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So imagine what would happen if we just started doing that and how much more we could read. So the next time you reach your for your phone, think what for, why now, and what else. So if you do your three W's and then decide that you actually really do want to use your phone right now, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Go do it. The point is simply to give yourself and your brain a chance to explore your options for that particular moment. So that if and when you turn your attention to your phone, it's a result of a conscious decision. So we want to encourage y'all this week, after you listen to the podcast, pick a time in the day that you will just put away your phone purposely. For us, it's an hour a day and it's at the dinner table. We do not allow any screens, any devices at the dinner table. So we'd love for y'all to participate. In fact, before you have dinner or before you have that time, just do a quick shot of where all the devices are. Post it, uh, tag us at In Between Show. We'll reshare them and we'd love to celebrate with you in our... Breaking toge- up. Yeah, in our togetherness and breaking up <laughs> with our phones. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.